Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Let's go into God's Word today. And I'm excited for it. We've continued through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's just, I'm just so grateful. Each and every week, I feel like I know the Sermon on the Mount. And then as I study this, I'm like, man, there's so much depth to this. And it's been so life-giving to watch our church honestly change some of our practices, change some of our thoughts, really, honestly, really push ourselves and challenge ourselves to look more and more like Jesus. And today is a passage that I, I promise, I think I've said this every week, right? This passage is one of the most misunderstood, misapplied passages. But really, this passage, ask and you'll receive, right? Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you has been so misapplied and can be so misconstrued, okay? So I'm going to spend a lot of my time here making sure you didn't mess this up in your mind because there's two ways I can preach this. One way I can say is just try to ask and God, like he says he'll answer, but let's be real. He doesn't answer a lot of our prayers, but God tells us to ask. So I don't know what we should ask for, but obviously it's not possessions. Obviously it's not for success. Just ask, like we need to pray more for salvation. And that's true as far as praying for salvation. I could also take this passage and say, do you want a Beamer? Just pray for it, brother, and you'll get that Ferrari. You'll get whatever. And so I really think there's a lot of hesitancy when we look at this passage, trying to figure out what does it really mean. And so I'm hoping that we're able to approach this passage. And I really broke it down to three different ways Um, kind of this passage, there's three elements to this for us to understand it. Because I think it's really helpful for us to not to go so, um, like we can't like not believe in God. Like God, I think, because he's our father, we should ask him for all things. But at the same time, we have to recognize there's some things, praise God, he doesn't give us what we ask for, right? Because it actually is the worst thing for us. And so we don't come to God to get what we want. We come to God to get God. Amen. And in his grace, he will always answer those prayers that bring us closer to him. So it's helpful for us. We have to really understand what this passage means. Some can think about it's just one thing, some another. And so here's what I want to do. I want to look at three ways we need to be careful not to contradict what Jesus intends for us to learn about prayer. Matthew 6, if you remember just maybe two months ago now, we looked at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. That was more about how to pray. Today, I think Jesus is addressing, why do we pray? Does Jesus really answer our prayers? What does this all mean? Why should we even try? So let's look again in verse uh, 7 of Matthew chapter 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. What's actually fascinating, if you actually read the Greek when it says ask, it literally means keep asking, keep seeking, Keep knocking. It's an imperative, which means it's a command, and it's continuous, meaning it's always, you never stop. He's not just asking once. He's telling us. He's giving us permission. Ask all the time. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open to you. So this is point number one for us to understand this passage, and I have to say it right away for us to get it. Look, we must be careful not to contradict the context. We have to remember Jesus was saying this right after, he said verse 7, this is crazy, right after verse 6. That's always helpful to remember. 
He is saying this whole Sermon on the Mount. It's important Jesus didn't start the Sermon on the Mount this way. He says a lot of things. We've been learning, again, the last couple months, what all of these different things are that Jesus is teaching us. And I think the order where Jesus is talking about this is important. In the immediate context, we know this. What was verse 1 through 6? Of course, nobody remembers what the preacher preached last week. Amen? Not even I do. However, I think I kind of. So we talked about accidental Pharisees. We talked about how we can quickly start judging people. And Jesus was talking about do not judge and so we asked last week, what does that mean? And of course, that doesn't mean we can't make judgments. There is a right and there's a wrong, but we can't pass judgment. We can't deem people as evil and irredeemable. We have to treat everyone, not as cynics, but believing that God will change them. And the biggest thing Jesus talked about is we can't be judgmental because guess what? There are a lot of sins in our own life that need changing. So that's the immediate context. So he is putting the pressure. He is saying, Look, you are full of sin. You, in order for you to really love your brother, you have to first really clean up your own life. So we have to remember this because there's this weight. This whole Sermon on the Mount is be perfect because your heavenly father's perfect. That's kind of hard. So I think what Jesus means here is he's saying, okay, all this stuff I told you, you're probably kind of stressed out. You're wondering, how does this happen? And he's saying, ask, ask me and I'll give you the strength. You want to work on, you want to become more like Jesus? You want to become more like me? You want to get rid of these sins in your life? Guess what? Ask, seek, knock. But it's funny how we can quickly think, oh, this is clearly just about money. But if you read the context, it's these people who are kind of stressed out because like, I, I know this, this, and this person who need to know you, Jesus, and they're not, and I am tempted to judge them. And Jesus is saying, instead of judging them, ask your father to save them. Ask your father to make a difference in those people's lives. Ask a father to make the difference in your own life. Does that make sense? So here's the next uh, point that really help us even more. The command to ask for God's provision goes hand in hand with fulfilling God's mission. So we have to ask ourselves, what can we pray for? Well, is what your prayers for, are they help fulfilling the mission of God? Because often our prayers to God are fulfilling the mission of man. And we wonder why he's not answering them. I think a lot of us, we think, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it now. Should I wait? No, I'll do it. I think a lot of us, we, we, we come to God, we're, we're angry that God had, he, we feel like we have unanswered prayers, Right? But I think the problem, a bigger problem for us, is that we have unasked prayers. There's so many things God wants us to reach into and look at the mission he's given us and pray for things for our church, pray for things for your own family to fulfill God's mission. So the question is, what is God's mission? We've been looking at, we believe is to know Jesus and to become more and more like Jesus. That is the mission of God and to bring as many people into that as possible. We want to apprentice under Jesus. He's not just this beautiful savior, but he's this brilliant teacher. Right? And so what I think is God is more concerned with our soul than he is with our salary. And so our prayers, first and foremost, now, does God answer prayers for salary? I believe so. But woe to us if that's our only prayers. I think that's what we have to see in this context here. Of course, can we ask for things? He's our dad. So we should ask him for everything. But how are we asking things for us to become more like Jesus and lead other people to do the same? This was so encouraging for me because... Um, how do I put this? As a pastor, you're always constantly thinking about your own heart. Like, man, I'm not good enough. Man, I got to do this better and better. And then also there's people that I, I worry about and I pray for, and maybe they came once or they haven't come yet. And I'm inviting them over and over. And honestly, I get a lot of stress and anxiety thinking, God, like, did I tell them something wrong? Did I teach them wrong? And this passage has been so encouraging because I think the command here in the context is he's saying the most important thing you can do for those people is to just pray for them. 
ask that God would change their life. Quit stressing. Guess what? Your words, even though they rhyme, they're not that great, right? What's important is God's power in the midst of that. And so how am I asking? So that's been really helpful for me. Again, I do believe this is an overreaction, thinking that God's provision can't ever be possessions. Like some of the most, the richest people I know in my life, they are so hospitable and they use all their riches to help bless other people. So we are never a church that says that is evil. But at the same time, so many people who have nothing have been some of the greatest blessings to me in my life. So it's not, we can't say this one's right, this way's wrong. I think God kind of gives just, I don't know, almost at random, it seems. Um, but anyways, I, I just think that this is encouraging for us. How are we asking for God's permission, pr- uh, provision in a way that fulfills God's mission? So should we ask for possessions? Sure. But I think what Jesus is pushing at is we need wisdom. James 1 says, ask for wisdom, he'll give it in abundance. Are you feeling overwhelmed with your parenting? Ask for wisdom. Do you want to just chop their head off sometime, ask for grace, right? (laughs) Do you want to kind of revert? Faith yesterday, she got water everywhere. And so I made a big deal about she's going to make the house blow up. And she said, water doesn't blow things up. I'm like, okay, she's that smart now. I got to be careful with my words. Um, But but she's like, I just want to go back to our old house. Can we just like start over? Right? And I feel like a lot of us are like, God, can we just start over? But I think what we need to ask God is, God, I'm here now, but would you give me grace? And would you help me now? We so often think we're trying to prove something for God. I don't think that's it at all. God is saying, ask me. I will give you what you will ask for, but you need to ask. I think there's a lot of things. I think with the keep knocking, there's also this idea of keep seeking opportunities, keep opening doors that God is giving you. There's so many things. But here's why it's so easy to contradict the context. And here's kind of the warning I think we need to hear. In the, peop- the people of God in the Old Testament... They fell into this trap all the time, and it's possible for us to take this passage, Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and misapply it. Because here's the reality. It is possible to adapt God's wisdom to your life without adopting God's ways in your life. I want you to think about that. There is a way to adapt God's wisdom without adopting God's ways. What do I mean? There's so many times where people come up to me, they're super excited about the business they're a part of or whatever, and they say, there's so many biblical principles. Like, you talk about stuff on Sunday, and our business does that. Like, we're killing it. I'm like, yeah, I know, because it's kind of like humans. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, you said, like, to love people. Our business says that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I think if you hate people, your business won't do too well. But at the same time, there really is. Like, read the Proverbs. There's so many things in this Bible. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus. You put some of these things into practice, Stuff in your life will get better. And honestly, I think even this practice of ask, seek, knock, even without the full context, I do think it helps your life. But I think Jesus, he doesn't want us to just take this as wisdom and not apply it in the full context. Here's what would happen. The people got in the Old Testament filled at this all the time. You have the Torah. These are the first five books of the Old Testament, right? Moses wrote these. You would consider this as a, uh, a priest, a, a priest, priestly order. So let me back up. I need to explain this better. Israel was run by three different kinds of people. And when Israel was doing great is they were listening to each type of person. Number one is the priest. 
The priest's job was to show this is the presence of God and here's how you access the presence of God, right? This is how holy he is. But the prophet was also a role in the Old Testament. The prophet was like, and here's how messed up you are, (laughs) right? Wouldn't you love God gave you that job? Like your job is to tell people how terrible they are. And that's what the prophet would do. So the priest would always say, the holiness of God, his presence is incredible. And the prophet would go, and you, you know, like that was the prophet's job. Right, but then you have the wise men. These are books like Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, right? Their job was to give some practical things that, guess what? Put this in your everyday life. Like, guess what? If there is anger stirred up, blessed is the man who, who holds his tongue. Now, that does not mean you go around doing this, right? What it means, make sure you don't shake my hand. It was left hand anyways. Don't worry, you won't ever touch it. Um, but what this means is, okay, there's some practical wisdom here that I can take And it actually doesn't even make me follow the ways of God, right? Every time God's people would go into exile, would would be going against God, is because they only listened to the wise men and never took heed to the prophets and priests. That's when they always went haywire. You can only honestly receive the wisdom in the context of still listening to the prophet and the priest. Do you guys get the point I'm making here? What I mean is if we forget the beauty of God... We can take these principles of ask, seek, knock, and we can use it to improve our life without God. So we need the priestly role. We need the Bible to remind us the beauty and holiness of God. At the same time, if we forget our own depravity, if we stop listening to the prophets, right? We stop listening about how we are desperate need of grace. We can take wisdom and use it to push people down and put them in their place. So we have to always... There are so many wise things in the Bible that if you do, it will happen. And and there is a movement going on today that it's like the reason you don't have it is because you haven't asked for it. And so there's like, there there are businesses, there are people making a lot of money. It's like, because I projected it, I believed it, I asked for it and it happened. Okay, but here's the thing. When Jesus gave this context, it was within the context of of chapters five and six were the beauty of God and the depravity of man. The beauty of God and the depravity of man. We can only receive that in the context of receiving that wisdom after we've listened to the prophet and the priest. I can't belabor this point anymore, but does that make sense? I think it's really helpful. Three people got it. I'm so encouraged. Okay, next point. We must be careful not to contradict the cadence. Look again, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. We must be careful not to contradict the cadence. The cadence is a rhythm. The cadence is a flow. This is happening all the time. It really shows how important it is because Jesus doesn't just say, ask, seek, knock once. The very next verse, he says it yet again to show its importance. Now, reading commentaries this week, I was going everywhere like, God, what do you mean by ask, seek, knock? Like, what does it mean? What does it not mean? And always commentators were like, some people say this. It's obviously not that. And then the other commentator would be like, those other people say this. It's obviously not that. And I'm like, God, which one is it? And I think at the base level, I found some things that I think everyone agrees with. And we'll just stay in that zone. And good luck on the rest. Okay? So I think, number one, we see a progression. In this cadence, it progresses. When you ask, you can ask by just standing still. Mama, right? Like that is just the basic, I'm asking to receive something. Seek is you're now getting up and you're actively looking. Knock is you're pretty sure you found the thing. They just got to open the door. And so you're evolving your whole body to, to really let them know I need in. 
You see that progression there? Ask, seek, knock. It is a, a continual more and more activity. And what does this mean for us? I, I do think there are some things in our lives that we pray for, and God wants us to increase our activity. Meaning, we've talked a lot about how the body is not separated from the spirit, right? So I think for a lot of us, if, if we're praying for something, maybe it's wise to now fast for that thing as well. Okay, I've asked God, I haven't seen the answer. I haven't had closure. Maybe I need to bring my whole body in submission. I need to forfeit food for a time and say, God, I desperately want to hear from you. That is one form for us to be knocking, right? Or it's changing our patterns, reading God's word more, whatever it is where we're not just asking, but there are habits and practices in our life that we're changing to make room for God to speak to us. So that's the progression. Now, here's the other thing, though. I think we see persistence. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. How often do you and I give up for praying, right? How often we get the first closed door and then we're done? And I I think what Jesus is saying here is he wants us to keep praying. Um, There was a story of a, obviously this is fake, but maybe that will, now you don't care about the story, but let's just act like it's real. So there's this story, um, Bertha, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with the lady's name. Anyways, this lady, she died uh, and went to heaven. And so she was very adamant about meeting St. Peter. So she went and saw St. Peter and on her way to Peter, she noticed these conveyor belts. Trying to figure out where these conveyor, belt, conveyor belts were, you know, like at the, at the airport. And there was, there was these packages of treasure everywhere. But what was interesting to her as she was looking, some conveyor belts had stopped moving and, and many of them, the packages, it looked like they just got delivered, like they were just about to start moving and they were already stopped. Some of them were stopped and they were in the middle. Of course, there were other conveyor belts slowly going. She was really deeply troubled because there were some packages of treasure that were just about to be dropped off, but it was stopped. So she went to Peter and said, Peter, um, what, what is up with these conveyor belts here? What, what is this a picture? What, what, are you, what are you doing here? She says, oh, so that, that is actually um, what we have here is for believers, we have treasure that we want to give to people. But these conveyor belts, they're only generated by prayer. So every time they ask for it, it moves slowly but surely. So the sad thing is some of these people have already died and gone to heaven. So many of them, they were almost about to receive the treasure, but they stopped praying. Many of them stopped right out of the gate. They asked for it once. Others kind of in the middle. And the encouragement is to keep praying. You never know. If you are one more prayer from actually receiving the thing that you've asked for. I don't know why God has made it this way, but God wants to give us gifts. And sometimes he won't give it to us if we only ask for it once. God has created in his sovereignty and the mystery of what he does. There are some things he wants you to keep praying for, even when it looks like the door was completely shut. And if you're like me, like, I think, oh, I can't keep praying for that God. Like, I just need to trust you and just know that you cared for me, right? Like, oh, I, I don't want to sound unfaithful if I'm going to keep asking for it. Clearly, one door was closed, so I'm done. But here we have, this is the next point, in the face of resistance, God gave us a cadence of persistence. It's very clear here, Jesus is saying, you need to keep doing it. Even when you feel like you shouldn't be praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. I love that. There's a, uh, Agent Rogers, one of my favorite pastors of all time. He always says this, I got to get the voice. I got to get ready for that. All right. You know, he says, hey, friends, you're right. No, I'm done. No, I'll try again. Friends, God's delays are certainly not God's denials. 
That's so good. Amen, Adrian. It was so good. And meanwhile, I'm like, God's delays are not good. I don't know if it brings the same up, right? But he was an old man. I can't wait to get old just for that one purpose, right? I'll be ready for the radio. Okay, but God's delays are certainly not God's denial. Sometimes, why does God delay? I think there's many reasons. I think one is to just increase our character. Like, I know so many people when I'm counseling them, and they're asking for God to answer that one thing, the reason why they came and why they're so distraught. And I secretly pray, I say, God, I know you could answer this right away, but don't because like I need, I want them to see how you are better than that thing they're asking for. Because I know so many times I've, I've done counseling and, and they got their answer within a week of them getting counseling and I never see them again. Because they actually, they weren't coming to get God, they were coming to get that thing from God. And so I praise God when he actually delays the gift because he cares more for that person's soul than that person's success. He desperately wants them to see, God, I have a greater plan than that little one thing you want. But he does want us to persist. But what we don't recognize is when we persist in asking for that thing, God is training us and teaching us about so many more things we had no idea what we were learning. Isn't that so cool? There's another reason. Other people. Dallas Willard put it this way. Sometimes we must wait for God to do as we ask because the answer involves changes in other people or even ourselves. And that kind of change always takes time. The hardest thing is to pray for the changing of somebody's heart. Friends, God is powerful enough to do it, but he does it at a slow, patient pace. And we have to be patient with him, continuing to bring things before the Father. Why did, what are some other reasons um, God doesn't answer us? Because you ask for something really dumb. <laughs> like, can we, can we put that in there? Right? Like, uh, what's that Garth Brooks song? Right? Praise God you didn't answer that. I'll be with that other woman. Oh, praise, you know? Um, I don't know. I'm not a country person guy, but Jordan told me there's a song about that. Don't judge me. Uh, I do play country music when I'm hunting because I feel like it's the right vibe. But outside of that, no thank you. But praise God that some of you, I praise God that you prayed. I don't think God gets mad at you that you prayed for the wrong thing. I think he's excited because you're like developing a relationship. But guess what? He's like my daughter. I want it now. I don't care. You're not going to get that. I don't care how obnoxious you are. You're not going to get the Twinkie, right? That's dad's. You know what I'm saying? So like, so we have to know that sometimes the things we ask for isn't actually what we actually need. But another thing we have to account for, sometimes we ask for the right thing at the wrong time. There's been some things in the life of our church and I've asked for God to answer it. And just this week, I, I wrote down a list of things praising God the answers he's given us in year three, but praising him, he didn't give us that answer in year one. We weren't ready for that. There's a lot of blessings that we're receiving and it's really exciting. There's some things happening in the life of our church right now. I think we're about to receive some more. But again, I praise God that if this blessing does happen, I praise him that he did not give it to us at year two. Everything, God, you know, it's weird. God's smart. Like he knows stuff, right? His timing is so much better than our timing. And so we have to trust that. But we have to give ourselves that liberty because God says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. If there's something in your heart, you're not even sure if it glorifies God, but it keeps going in your heart. You have pastor's permission. Just keep asking for it. Because either you'll get that thing or God will change your heart where it's no longer something that you're desiring. Just keep bringing it to God. God, I don't know why I want this, but I'm going to keep telling you because I don't know who else to tell because you're my dad. 
We keep asking until we get a word to do otherwise. Let's not forget the last thing, okay? So we must be careful not to contradict the context. We must be careful not to contradict the cadence. But also, we must be careful not to contradict our confidence. Why does God answer prayer? Verse 9 uh, says, Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If he, if, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. You know, it's so cool. When I was in Israel, I learned the stones in Israel. This is what's crazy about when Jesus was in the wilderness and was tempted 40 days, 40 nights. Literally, the stones look like loaves of bread. Why is that cool? The, 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 the fish and the snake, they both have scales. In other words, what he's saying is oftentimes, like, let's go with the, with the bread and the stone. There's so many times... He's saying, look, I know that you want bread and a lot of us will be satisfied with the stone because it kind of looks like bread, right? Like an evil father would say, well, this is kind of like it. It's not going to be what you actually need, but you're going to think it's real. He's saying, I don't do that. This is, okay, I got to keep reading. Okay, ah, time. Okay, verse 11. Did that make sense at all? Okay, I don't care. If you then, who are evil, know how to get, I love that, by the way. Jesus is the only one who could say that. If you then, who are evil, because he's not. Like as a preacher, I'd say, if us then who are all evil, Jesus is like, nah, I'm perfect. Y'all who are evil, must have been an awkward moment, know how to give, you people, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Why does God answer our prayers? It is not because of your faith. The scary movement going on right now is, oh, she died because you didn't pray enough. Whoa. Right? Oh, you're sick because you don't have enough faith. Uh Uh-uh. Nah. Why does God answer our prayers? Because he's a really good dad. And he cares for us and he knows what's best for us. I don't love my children. Well, I'm evil, so maybe I do sometimes. But I don't love my children based off of what they do for me. I just love them. We have to remember that applies even more with the Father. Scott McKnight, he has a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. He said there's two temptations for us when it comes to prayer. Number one is to make things happen on our own power. Who else? Right? I don't need to pray for it. I'll just do it. Some things you should just do, like study for that test. Amen? Instead of spending the whole time, God, just make us, give me an A. He's like, the study guide's right there, bro. Just like look down. I provided the study guide. Number two. So number one, a temptation for us is to make things happen in in our own power. But number two is we believe God is too distant to care. And I think that's the greatest temptation for us. I want us to walk away today knowing God cares for me. And there's nothing out of his power. And in fact, he wants to get involved in the most minute areas of my life. So I need to keep asking. See, a lot of us, we think we can make things happen on our own power. And many times we think that means our cadence is what saves us. If I just say it enough, God will have to answer me. If I do it enough, if I say these things, if I put together this, la- this magic formula, if I sing louder, then God will have to answer me. That is the wrong basis. We know are the basis of our foundation, our confidence that God will answer our prayers has nothing to do with you and I, has everything to do with the love of the Father. That is where our confidence is. Guys, I give to my daughters even when they're moody. And they're all girls. Sorry, but they're moody a lot. Amen? I, all the girls are very mad at me right now. I'm so sorry. But... But I have to recognize, I love them. I don't love them based off their moodiness, right? And so with God, it doesn't matter where we're at. God is going to keep caring for us. Here's the last thing. Our confidence is rooted in the kindness of God and not in the cadence of man. 
I've done that. God, I need you to answer me. So I'm going to say it like a hundred times in a row. And that sometimes works when faith, can I have that? Can I have that? Just sure, whatever. I don't care what it is. Just stop asking, right? There's, there's some validity to that. And I do think God is saying, persist. Almost act like that. Like, keep asking. But at the end of the day, we are not confident. Even though there is a cadence, even though we do persist, we are not confident because of anything we're doing. We're confident because God loves us. And you know why we know God isn't too distant? Because God came down to earth to save us. In every other religion, it's like a mountain where we're trying everything to get to God. And Christianity... God is the one who comes down in the flesh in the name of Jesus Christ and comes at the bottom of the mountain and helps bring us back up. God is not too distant. He is born in the form of a servant. He came down to us so that we can be lifted up with him. That's why we know in confidence, no matter what you're praying for, we know God will answer us. He will give us the greatest thing because he does not withhold any good gift. In fact, he has already given us the greatest gift of all time. The goat, not a goat, but the great, never mind. Uh, the greatest of all time, Jesus coming down and dying and raising again, offering us eternal life. God gave his own son. Why would you think he would withhold anything else from you? He won't withhold what is good for us. So if that is true, if your, petition, if your petitions, if your prayers were actually rooted in the mission of God, what are some things we should start praying for? If you believe God will give provision when it goes hand in hand with his mission, how can we today start coming up with actual prayers, like write them down, get a system together, give yourself accountability. What are some things God is going to call you to pray for according to his mission? And the other thing, if our confidence is rooted in God's kindness, if we know he'll answer us, not because of us, but all because of him, what would you ask for? How are your prayers currently limited? God is saying, ask and you will receive. Seek and you might. No, no, he didn't say that. No, you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Why do we have confidence in prayer? Why do we never stop? Because we serve such a generous God, and we already know that because of the cross and the empty grave. And even the most minute little things in our life, we can bring to the Father. But not only those little things, but also these big things, like people in your life, the mission of God. God wants to answer those prayers. There's enough proof in the Bible and throughout history. It's weird. A lot of things don't happen until we pray for it. Let's start praying for some things. Give glory to God along the way. Now let's actually pray.